invite you to open your Bibles to the book of Ruth. You will find it in the Old Testament, just after Judges and just before 1 Samuel. We are beginning a short five-part series in this fascinating book. Um, I've entitled this series, The Story of God's Providence in the Darkest of Times. Um, After this series, uh, our plan, Lord willing, is to begin a study in Proverbs that will take us through the summer months into into the fall. But today we want to begin this five-part series in the book of Ruth. So I'd like to invite you to follow along as I begin with Ruth chapter 1, verse 1, and I'll read through verse 5 today. Ruth chapter 1, verse 1. In the days when the judges ruled, there was a famine in the land, and a man of Bethlehem in Judah went to sojourn in the country of Moab, he and his wife and his two sons. The name of the man was Elimelech, and the name of his wife, Naomi, and the name Names of his two sons were Malon and Kilion. They were Ephrathites from Bethlehem in Judah. They went into the country of Moab and remained there. But Elimelech, the husband of Naomi, died, and she was left with her two sons. These took Moabite wives. The name of the one was Orpah, and the name of the other Ruth. They lived there about ten years, and both Malon and Kilion died, so that the woman was left without her two sons and her husband. Now, from a literary perspective, what we have here in Ruth is a classic short story. There are four chapters, just over 2,500 words. It's compact. It has a simple plot, but it includes riveting drama and compelling characters. Many people can relate to Naomi's experience of hardship. Uh, Your hardship might not be from a severe drought or the death of a husband and the death of two sons, but You've known hardship. And who isn't inspired by the love of Ruth for her mother-in-law, Naomi, and for the kindness of Boaz to Ruth and Naomi? I actually considered reading the entire story here this morning, which could have been done in about 15 minutes of time, but I chose to read only the first five verses to introduce the plot of this story with the hopes that you will be eager to go home and read for the first time or for the 100th time the rest of this beautiful and compelling story. Uh, we, we are drawn in by the hardship. We, we know life can have bitter moments. But we also find sustaining hope because of the kind providence and redemption of God in the darkest of times. 
It, it was Naomi's hardship that was most pronounced. And Boaz became the hero. But this book, written from a woman's perspective, is called Ruth, not because she wrote it or because she even spoke the most, but her actions and declaration of intent found in chapter 1, verse 16 and 17, demonstrate a profound faith in God in response to Naomi's urging her to stay in Moab and not return with her to Judah. Ruth said this in verse 16, do, do not urge me to leave you or to return from following you for where you go, I will go, and where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people, and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die, and there will I be buried. May the Lord do so to me, and more also, if anything but death parts me from you. So this story carries her name because... Another reason it carries her name is because in chapter 4, verses 18 through 20, the last three verses in this short story, we learn that the Moabite woman, Ruth, was in fact the great-grandmother of King David from whom the Messiah came. Now, we don't know the human author of this story, but this real-life account was most likely passed down as part of oral tradition up till the time of its writing, which was probably something um, sometime after David became prominent as a king and before Solomon became a king. And I say that because the story ends by connecting David to his great-grandmother Ruth, but no mention of Solomon is made. We, we may not know the human author, but we can be certain that it was the Holy Spirit that ultimately was responsible for giving us this inspired scripture. Um, last weekend, Shelley and I had uh, the privilege to be at a wedding in Tennessee, and in that whole process, we were reminded in fresh and vivid ways how great a treasure we have in Christ and His Word. Um, and I, I just want to encourage you as we begin this morning, please, please don't take for granted how blessed you are to have ears to hear and eyes to see the truth of God's Word, the Bible. Um, I, I invite you, in fact, to listen in fresh ways to an exhortation that Paul gave to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 14 through 17, and I quote, But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you have learned it, and how from childhood you have been acquainted with with the sacred writings which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is breathed out by God 
and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. God has given the story, given you the story of Ruth to equip you for the life to which he has called you. So this is a brief introduction to this story of Ruth, but I also want you to remember that the story of Ruth has a context. Uh, Verse 1 begins by saying, In the days when the judges ruled, um, this was the time when there was no earthly king, but God was in fact their king. God had sent Moses to redeem his people out of slavery in Egypt. He did that, in fact, in a spectacular way. God established the Mosaic Covenant with Israel to show them how to live as a redeemed people. He cared for them through their 40-year wanderings in the desert. God led uh, Josiah, excuse me, Joshua. God led Joshua in conquering the promised land. And now they're settled in the land. But as was their tendency so often, they rebelled against God again and again. And when they would not repent, as God had stipulated in the old covenant, he would bring hard consequences into their lives to turn their hearts back to God. These hard consequences would cause them to cry out to God for help. And God would respond by sending them a deliverer or a judge. God God was faithful in this. God manifested his steadfast love, his unfailing love, again and again. But Unfortunately, this cycle repeated itself again and again in the time when the judges ruled. A period of blessing, uh, followed by sin and idolatry, bringing severe consequences, and, and then a cry for help, and again, God's deliverance and blessing. But in this repeated cycle, much of Israel's experience was dark and turbulent. In fact, the, the very last verse in the book of Judges says this, and I quote, In those days there was no king in Israel. Everyone did what was right in his own eyes. They, they didn't have eyes of faith to see God as their king, and consequently life was filled with lots of brokenness and chaos. It is somewhere in this period that the story of Ruth took place. That's the historical context. And in verses 1 and 2, we're told more specifically that there was a famine in the land. And because of this, a man of Bethlehem in Judah went to sojourn in the land of Moab along with his wife and two sons. Moab was east and south of the Dead Sea, and Moab was often a thorn in Israel's side. But in this story, Elimelech and his family found food there, and their sons found wives. 
In fact, as was already mentioned, one of the Moabite wives would become part of the family tree of King David, and we'll talk a little bit more about that in coming weeks. There, there was a famine in the land, but we aren't told why. There were times in the Old Testament that famine was a consequence of Israel's sin, but there were other times when God sent a famine to reveal his glory, as was the case with Joseph ending up in Egypt. As you remember, Joseph's brothers sold him into slavery in Egypt because they were jealous of him. But God was with him, and God raised him up to a high place of prominence to save God's people in the midst of a severe famine that would take place. More specifically, to preserve Abraham's seed, the Messiah who is the only hope for a dying world. But make no mistake about it, this story is birthed in dark days for Israel. Elimelech, Naomi, Malon, and Kilion were hungry. And so they made their journey to Moab in search of food. Now, no, nowhere in this story are they chastised for leaving Judah. There's no indication that they began to worship Baal or idols in Moab. On the contrary, the Moabite Ruth was in fact converted and began to live by faith in Yahweh because of what she had learned from Naomi and her family. Though the family was sojourning in Moab, which that idea of sojourning means they, were, they planned to be there only temporarily, they, they ended up being there for ten years. And during this time, Malon and Kilion were, even had, had found Moabite wives. And certainly this, this was many years before Judah was taken into exile in Babylon, but I'm reminded of that situation, how the Lord instructed Judah then to continue to do good to the city in which they live. So build houses, plant gardens, take wives for your sons, and when the city prospers, you prosper. Uh, so this situation in Moab is different, but you get the sense that in their sojourning, they wanted to continue to live and to do well. But the tragedy, the, the tragedy of this story is this. Elimelech, Malon, and Kilian died, all died in Moab. So somewhere during their stay, in Moab, for these 10 plus years, this man died, and then later his two sons died. We don't know how long the sons had been married to Moabite women, but um, we, don't, we don't know how long they lived before they, or, or how long they were married before they died, but you, you get the sense that they weren't even married long enough to have any children. And, and certainly losing a husband would have been tough enough for Naomi. But added to that, Naomi lost her two sons, her, her only children. Uh, we don't know how they died or why they died, but what we do know is that Naomi is now 
in a foreign land, and she is all alone. You, you can imagine how deep her sorrow and grief would have been. These were dark and bitter days for Naomi. Now, jumping ahead a little bit in the story, we are told at the end of chapter 1 that Naomi returned to Bethlehem in Judah, and we're told in chapter 1, verses 19 through 21, this, and I quote, And when they came to Bethlehem, the whole town was stirred because of them. And the woman said, and the women said, it, is this Naomi? And she said to them, do not call me Naomi, call me Mara, which means bitterness. For the Almighty has dealt very bitterly with me. I went away full, and the Lord has brought me back empty. Why call me Naomi when the Lord has testified against me and the Almighty has brought calamity upon us. Na Naomi's grief was real. It, it was, in fact, bitter. That, that had become even her identity. It consumed her life. And if the story had ended right there, it would be like so many other stories just like it. I say that because ever since sin entered, entered the world, death and bitter suffering have pounded away on the human race. Many, many people live with deep sorrow and grief in their lives with absolutely no hope. And sadly, that, that is not unusual. But what makes this story of Ruth so captivating, so remarkable, is how God met them in their sorrow and showered them with his loving kindness. And as we continue over the next four weeks, you will learn that the story of Ruth was written to help you see and savor a number of important things. One being the kindness of God. In the midst of Naomi's bitterness, the kindness of Ruth and Boaz are revealed. You will learn about that. And you will learn that their kindness was meant to reflect the kindness of God. In Romans chapter 2, verse 4, we're taught that it was God's kindness that led us to repentance. The story of Ruth will also help you see and savor the providence of God. What is the providence of God? Well, Jerry Bridges defines it this way. God's providence is his constant care for and his absolute rule over all creation for his own glory and the good of his people, end of quote. So Naomi, in fact, knew God was sovereign, but she talked about God's hand being against her. And in truth, we will learn that God was not against her, but for his glory and her good, and she would come to see and savor that. The story of Ruth will also help you see and savor the provision of God's Redeemer. 
Uh, Boaz was a kinsman redeemer, and God used him to preserve the land of Elimelech's family, but more than that, to provide offspring through Ruth so that the name of Elimelech would continue. Boaz was this kinsman redeemer. But this story isn't this story isn't just about Boaz being the kinsman redeemer. The end of Ruth makes it clear that this story points us to King David who points us to Jesus, God's promised Messiah in whom we have redemption. So the story of Ruth was written to help you see and savor the kind providence of God in providing you with a believer so that you will do a couple of things. One, so that you will put your faith in Jesus Christ. We all know that sin and suffering make life bitter. And um, that's something that um, is experienced again and again. And, and what we are thankful, we are thankful here today that God's given us eyes to see that the gospel, the gospel of Jesus Christ is the only thing that can really make life sweet again. So this story of Ruth is written in such a way to, to urge us to put our faith in Jesus Christ and it's in him that we'll find the bitterness of sin and suffering can be turned into something sweet because of the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. But secondly, this story is really a call not only for you to put your faith in Jesus Christ, the one who went to the cross and gave his life to redeem you from your sin, but also to persevere in faith even in the darkest of times. Believers are not removed from suffering. Um, but there's, there is uh, encouragement and help and hope for us because the Redeemer walks with us and brings us through the suffering. One of the psalms that means so much to me personally, it's a great comfort of Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And he, he leads me, he protects me, he provides for me, he cares for me again and again. We have a good shepherd, Jesus, who walks with us even through the valley of the shadow of death in such a way to keep us believing. And this story God uses to call us, not just to put our faith in Jesus, but to keep believing through the darkest of times. And then thirdly, this story is written in such a way to call you to be comforted by the providence of God in the darkest of times. Faith enables you to see the invisible but active and strong and faithful hand of God's providence. Um, and it is through God's providence at work in your life that you can experience the peace and the joy and the hope that only Jesus can give in the storms of life. So we are taught again and again, and we are encouraged again and again to be a people who find 
comfort in the person and work of Jesus Christ. Not in all of the circumstances going well. Not having life just the way that we want it to be. Not being problem-free, but in the person and work. The faithful presence of Jesus mediated by his spirit and because of the work of, of Jesus on the cross, there is great hope for us. And so I want to encourage you, um, wherever you're at in life, whatever you're facing in life, um, look to Jesus and find comfort in him. Let's pray together. Father, it is with thankful hearts that uh, today we can open up your word we can begin this, this study in a wonderful, fascinating, riveting book, the book of Ruth. And we are thankful that you have given us eyes to see you. And I pray, Father, for everyone that's here this morning, young and old alike, and I pray that as we speak of Jesus, as we learn of the kindness that you have demonstrated by providing Jesus to be our Redeemer, providing Jesus to, who, who gave his life on the cross, who died in our place as our substitute to atone for our sins. I pray, Father, that we would be a people who live by faith in Jesus. But Father, I pray that as we live by faith in Jesus, we would continue to believe. Help us. There are times we, we are weak. We face difficulties. We walk through hard times. We walk through the valley of the shadow of death. And we cry out to you and ask you by your spirit to keep us believing. And Father, more than that, I pray for every one of us, that we would find comfort in you, comfort in your presence and your activity, your work in our lives, orchestrating the affairs of this world in such a way that you care for us and provide for us. Thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for never leaving us or forsaking us. Thank you for the grace that you give to us un undeserved favor. What, what a privilege it is to know you, our Lord, our Redeemer. And we praise you and we thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen.